Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. I am Steve, and I'm joined by my podcasting tag team partner, as usual, Jeff. Jeff, how's it going? It's going all right. So I wanted to give you all an update. La Sicaria is still in South America. Um, she's still taking care of business. It's taking a little bit longer than we thought. Um, maybe federales are involved. I can neither confirm nor deny that. But I can confirm that Lanny Poffo is involved because he's still on the horn saying, come to Quito, come to Quito. Since she keeps telling me, no, I'm not going to Quito. But, uh, you know, I don't know. This, this trip's been extended. So, you know, guys, I, I know that you the, the prayer circle has expanded in, in this last week again, which is great, two weeks in a row. This has been a short week, but the momentum is continuing. Um, we see that our, our partners over at the PWC, which we're on, they – uh, they, they debuted at 139 um, on some list, which is terrific, over some over names like Voices of Wrestling and Vince Russo. So pretty impressive. Happy to be part of that group. Um, but so all of you, Prayer Circle, you know, need your thoughts and prayers on this one. Prayer Circle. Again, if you guys have been following us regularly, uh, Jeff's girlfriend, La Sicaria, and if you guys aren't with the program, or maybe you just missed Benicio del Toro's uh, movie uh, Sicario. Yeah, and it the sequel Sicario: the, the Day of the Soldado. That's right. It is uh, Hitman, right? And yeah, so, but spe- specifically a con- uh, a hitman for the cartels. That's right. And so, Sicario would be the feminized version of that. That's right. The female, although you know, since Latinx is is a movement, I don't know. It'd be would it be Sicaria X? Sicari X? I don't know. Let's not even get into it. Um, I don't know. But- All I know is that everyone I know who's Latin rejects the Latin X idea. And certainly <laughs> La Sicaria rejects it. She thinks it's ridiculous and she's very happy to be a Latina and a, and, and a Sicaria. Yeah, I, I feel, I feel uh, very similarly. But I can understand that there are definitely a lot of people that want to identify with removing the masculine feminine. But again, this is not the Latino grammar show. This is Hammerlock Oh, is that Hangover. what the X is for? I thought it's because you all want to join the X-Men or the X-Team or X-Force. <laughs> but not even all the X-Men uh, have last X names. The X comes in the beginning of their name. Well, you got to change like Cyclops the X. Well, I mean, you don't want to get in trouble with with Disney and Fox or whoever owns it now. I mean, those it's are some Mar- big yeah, Disney and Marvel, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, does Fox n- not own it at all anymore? Or is it still being transitioned? Because the new I know that was... I know that you're yeah. They don't they don't own that. Like Marvel pushed that out just as I guess a favor. It, they were like, we got it in the can. Why not? But I know you might be confused because as you're alluding to, Fox ends with an X. Oh, like Alicia Fox. Oh, my God. Like Alicia Fox. I miss her. Good Samantha God. Fox. Megan Fox. Oh, Megan Fox. Wow. She Red Fox. 20, and that's two X's. That 20 years later have passed, and she looks just as hot as she did in Transformers. Jesus Christ. Guys, welcome. You're listening to the Megan Fox podcast. This <laughs> is uh, Steve, and, Steve and Jeff, and we're going to go through all the latest rundown of Megan Fox stuff. Just kidding. We're talking about wrestling to this week and every week. Um, thanks for listening. Um, the audience has been expanding within the last several weeks. I don't know what it is we're doing, Jeff, but I want to keep saying that we should just keep doing it. I guess we're just being ourselves and just shooting the shit about wrestling. 
Well, and, then let's uh, talk about Alicia Fox and Megan Fox together. That's right. Um, yes, so guys, this is the last place where it's safe for HLA. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in to us, for listening, for for subscribing, following. I see a lot of the people that have just started listening to us within the past couple of weeks have stayed. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And please make sure you, you 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 spread the word. Spread the good word and the gospel of Hammerlock Hangover and say, hey guys, you really like wrestling. You like AEW, you like WWE. These guys are pretty funny. And uh, they're rather opinionated about a lot of stuff. And I hope uh, we get a couple chuckles and laughs. I've got a couple of... Uh, Bullets in the chamber, as far as comedy is concerned, later on in this show. Ooh. Yep, 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 yep. A little fantasy booking, a little comedy, a little explanation as to why certain people are hot about certain things, but whatever. And, Jeff, I don't know if you know this. Well, of course you know this. We talked about this in our uh, chat. Um, we have our first comment, our first like mailbag so we have at the end of the show we'll go through the mailbag uh comment that was left for us and uh we'll just break that down it was related to canyon and our con uh, apparently we spilled over into a 20 minute uh off-road conversation about dark side of the ring but we'll get into that later there's no way we went 20 minutes on that and by the way what better than canyon <laughs> or who better than Canyon? Well, in um, this case, we're talking about a what. Oh, that's right. That's right. A what or a who. Yeah. Um, Lots to talk about this week. We got WWE Extreme Rules Fallout. We just did a watch along to the end of Extreme Rules. Hope you listened to that. That's episode 51. Um, but I, I guess we didn't expect when we were doing this, uh, this watch along, that there was going to be so much to be said about the fuck finish of the match where Finn Balor falls off this rope and the rope breaks. I've got my own opinion. We'll get into that. We also got the last raw before the draft. We've got SmackDown coming up this weekend, the draft coming up. We've got draft predictions. We got AEW to cover uh, a new TNT champion and apparently yet another ex WWE guy being on dynamite scheduled for next week so lots a uh, good amount of stuff to cover so let's just jump right into it let's talk about wwe let's talk about extreme rules i know i was shocked because again we didn't really talk about it on uh, all that much we mentioned that the rope broke on our watch along and we both of us if i can recall correctly to five days ago neither one of us were very shocked by the ending. Like we just thought, all right, this is a good way to keep Balor strong, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot believe how much hate there was about the show. Now, listen, when you're doing a watch along, it's always more fun when you're talking to someone else and watching a show. So I get that whenever you're interacting, if you're in a, a Facebook thread, whatever it is, whenever you're doing something besides just watching the show, it's always more fun. Just like it's more fun watching a football game with your friends. Um, but the blowback from this was crazy. But, I mean, it was – I hear people saying, you know, they're saying that the, the ropes broke under Finn Balor's 135 pounds, and that's ridiculous. I mean, I remember both of us thinking pretty pretty clearly that it, that, that it had to be sabotage. I mean, that – I mean, the lights flickered. They People are saying that they flickered with red and with music. No, I just – they flickered dark, 
and I just heard like zzz, zzz, like like static. That's what I remember hearing. I don't remember hearing the heartbeat of the fiend or anything like that mm-hmm. at that point. That was earlier when he sort of hulked He's up outside. Yeah. Um, so in that moment, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty obvious that you know the bloodline did something to the ropes and and it was sabotage. You know, they did it in four seconds. I get it. That that's pretty quick, but. I mean, it's wrestling. So I, I never thought that the, the story was that the rope broke. And why would it break on all four quadrants versus just one if it was about his 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 weight or two? The other two would have been unharmed. So I, I didn't get it. People are con- comparing this to the exploding death match finish from, um, I don't remember which show it was, but when Moxley and uh, Omega fought, which, I mean, I thought that was much worse execution, but... You know, and, and, and I, but I think this is mostly just IWC hysteria because um, one of our cousin shows, Wrestling Soup, uh, Mish put up a, a poll both on Twitter and on the Patreon. And in both cases, it was overwhelming that the Exploding Deathmatch finish was much worse. Uh, I, I believe on Patreon, it was something like 141 to 53, something like that. And on Twitter, it was closer, but it was like 150-something to like 101. So on both cases, pretty considerable margins. Uh, one, the IWC. The other, I guess you call it the soup, you know, diehards, which I am one of, um, that uh, the Exploding death match was worth. I mean, I, worse. I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting much from this show, so I enjoyed it. So I, 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 I was shocked to hear how people were shitting on it and hated the show. I thought it was actually pretty good. I know. I mean, we were raving over the Bianca and Becky match, and the finish was pretty good. Again, you you, you keep Bianca looking strong with uh, Sasha's run-in. But, you know, I guess it didn't bother me all that much because, again, you you have this fuckery at the end of the match to keep the demon looking strong, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like Roman pinned him clean. He needed the help of the Usos, and he needed... And I'm going to tell you this. This is, again, mark it down on your on, on, on your pieces of paper, people. I'm going to give you a Hammerlock Hangover exclusive. I haven't seen this take anywhere else in the internet wrestling community. Nowhere. Not not Fox News. Not Dave Meltzer. Not um, whatever wrestling journalists and uh, Raj Geary. No one is saying this. I'm going to drop this what, news right now. What about Megan Fox News? Megan Fox News, not even Megan Fox News has this. Not even Machine Gun Kelly News has this. Jeff, this is breaking news. Everybody should have realized this. This man is the tribal chief of the Samoan people, the Samoan culture. It is no question that the ropes broke because there was interference by not just the Usos, but Jeffrey, no, the dead ghost of... Of the legendary Umaga. I'm telling you right now, it was the ghost of Umaga that came down and cost Balor the match because Balor, like you like to examine on your podcast, Garden of Doom, yes? Yes. He practices, he chose to to fight the tribal chief with demonology. Ah. And the Samoan gods, the Samoan wrestling gods, frown upon that the shamans how to protect their chief that's right thank you jeff you and it wouldn't just be umaga i mean there would also be yokozuna and any number of other uh his brother rosie 
That's right. Thank you. It, all of them, all of them together would combine forces to cost the demon Balor. This is why they didn't interfere against Finn Balor because he's regular man. Balor did sure. not choose demonology then. But if you come at the tribal chief with demonology, you're going to face the wrath of Samoan gods. Uh, you know what? That makes perfect sense to me. Sold. Thank you. There you go. That's what I'm telling you. This is the type of information, the type of exclusive wrestling stuff that you're going to get on the Hammerlock Hangover, guys. It, it actually makes sense with the show because there was a lot of bad de demonic juju with with Lily just being desecrated out there. So there was already the the the, the evil spirit of Lily slash Fiend out there hovering around as well. So you know there were already some some counter demons in the area to only strengthen the the forces of uh, heal them well there are those demons um i mean they can be done with because i'm done with lily and all that that's enough out of you <laughs> i hope that's the last time we ever see lily to be shut your friendly. mouth so your stupid mouth your, your, your <laughs> prostitute mouth i'm sorry your sex worker mouth <laughs> <laughs> um you know Alexa was a uh, part of the news afterwards too. We got, I feel like crickets are creeping into my house. Um, if you hear them, um, I hear them. Oh, that's fucking going to drive. Maybe me they're crazy. demonic crickets. Maybe they are. Maybe they were sent by the demon Balor to shut me up. Um, what were your thoughts on Alexa bliss now saying that, uh, she's taking some time off. Well, she's getting nasal surgery. Um, so I'm very sad about this, but I'm sure the rest of the world is happy about it. Because um, A, I mean, people are already hoping that she's going to come back as just five feet of fury and no more Lily, which is horrendous. We need the Lily Lucian to continue. Um, but, uh, you know, and obviously the story, which at the time I said, well, clearly it's going to continue now that Lily's been ripped to shreds. But I guess it's not going to continue, which leads us to wonder, Who's going to be Charlotte's next uh, contender? Uh, there, there was an answer on Raw, but I'm not sure that that was really part of that. But um, and we've got a draft coming up, so I guess I guess we'll see what's going on. And we do indeed have a draft coming up, and we'll give you some of these predictions. Some of these might uh, end up resetting some of these long-standing matchups and rivalries that we keep seeing, especially on Raw. Um, Raw, speaking of Raw, let's talk about Lashley versus Biggie. That was pretty much the theme of the entire night. I actually like this episode of Raw because it harkened back to old episodes of Raw that actually spread throughout the entire uh, three hours, two hours, three hours of the episode. And this was one of them. It started out with a match between Lashley and Biggie. Lots of running in from the Hurt Business, the newly reformed Hurt Business. Good to see them coming back. And the New Day which then ended up leading to them fighting in a steel cage match at the end of the show. Um, really good show. Really good episode. What was your thoughts on this and raw? Okay. I, I know that a lot of people are really high on the show and there were parts of the show that I liked as well, but I mean, I think I'm pretty clear that one of my big complaints about raw is that you see the same people all night. And we had segments with basically the same six guys between the, the two matches and promos and things like that, or interviews like four or five times during the night. So I'm not as high on it as other people are. And clearly the viewers weren't as high on it because their ratings dropped. They, they only had 
1.70 this week, which is less than the week before. I mean, not as bad as a couple of weeks ago when it was 1.67, but you know, it, it's ever dropping. Um, that said, I did like the fact that, you know, you had one of those matches that broke down with a whole bunch of interference uh, and Adam Pierce came out and actually took control of stuff. And it looks like he's the face in control uh, general manager type again, as opposed to Sonia Deville, who's obviously being the evil, heelish, conniving general manager, which was a story that they started and dropped and started and dropped. And now it looks like they're starting again. Um, but and then saying, no, this match is going to finish. and It's going to be in a steel cage, which I think was cool. And they, they you know, I, I'm not going to be happy with the result because, I mean, I'm pro Lashley. I wanted Lashley to win. You get the Hurt Business back together. He should get his title back together. He should dominate in a cage. Now, I understand the WWE wants Big E to carry the torch. I guess they think that there's a star there. I don't necessarily disagree that he's a star. I just don't think that he's that big a star. I disagree with the IWC quite a bit, and I think that the viewership agrees with me. Let me just do a, a quick aside, and this was a courtesy of Brandon Thurston, yeah, um, sure. who put out the raw average ratings for the year 2011 versus the raw average ratings from 2021. And in 2011, their average weekly viewership was 4.9 million. I actually rounded that one done down in 2021. The average viewership was 1.8 million. I actually averaged rounded that one up. It was actually closer to like 1.78, and uh, 10 years ago was uh, it was like 4.93. Anyway, it's a diminution in, in a decade of 63% diminution. So you know. The week-to-week ratings isn't really what I, I rant on about. It It's the trending down, and I think that the IWC, the people who are excited about Bobby Fish against Sammy Guevara, that, that you know, that while they think these are things to be excited about, it's it's stunts like that that is um, sort of leading to diminution. It, it's sort of like the people who think that Nakamura is a big deal, that uh, Finn Balor is a draw or Kyle O'Reilly is a draw. Um, that that you know that they're the ones that are wrong. And while I like Biggie, he's a you know muscle guy. He's got personality and all that. He just doesn't feel like the top guy yet. Maybe it's maybe I just got to get used to it. Maybe I have to get over my hurt over Lashley. But th- this this should have been a time for him to get it back and have the hurt business back and that and let Biggie be the chaser. I don't um, think that you're alone in that feeling. I feel like a lot of people feel that a that Biggie is not. Um taken seriously why share some of your opinions as to why you have trouble taking biggie as a serious wwe heavyweight champion well part of it is he spent the better part of the last seven years acting like a fool acting like a clown it's like asking me to to take our truth seriously um and it's not like being funny kurt angle was funny um, you know, The Rock was funny. Yeah, I mean, there was that time where Kurt Angle was wearing the little cowboy hat and playing songs with Steve Austin, but that, that was a that was a different era. I mean, usually you don't have clown wrestlers who all of a sudden are taken seriously. Sometimes serious wrestlers turn into clown wrestlers. Um, so that's your, it. Just been, go around. Go ahead. To your point, I mean, you mentioned two really iconic wrestlers in Kurt Angle and The Rock. Do you? But both of those guys when at some point were heels and 
I guess at that point in time were taken more seriously and then because they became comedic in their punchlines, they then turned face. Do you think that's what's also lacking from Biggie is a good heel turn? Maybe. That, I mean, that's an interesting theory. I mean, yeah. I mean, nothing gets you taken seriously quicker than being a vicious heel. So, yeah, they, maybe they skipped that step. But they, I mean, they never wanted to stop with the New Day and the New Day merch. Even when they were on different brands, it was always sort of half-hearted. They have them, you know, reunite as many pay-per-views as possible and things like that. And I get it. I mean, you know, that they're they are in the entertainment business. They are in, you know, selling media and all the accoutrement. Um, this is an experiment. Last week you asked me, do I think that Big E is not a draw? And I said, whoa, Steve, it's way too early to to make a judgment on that. And I still think it's still way too early. But the initial indicators are not good. It's 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 trending down. Anyway, I I just think it would have been a be better story. Her business reformed. Lashley wins in the steel cage, hard fought match, and and you know and then you know Biggie needs to you know chase again, and he's doing with the aid of his buddies. So I, I don't know. I mean, right. we'll see. Fair enough. I was very disappointed to see Shayna Baszler pretty much squash my poor Ava Marie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, poor Ava, I guess she's going to be written off for a while. Alexa's getting surgery. Sheamus getting the nasal, uh, I'm sorry, broke. yeah, surgery on his broken nose again, which <laughs> can't be a good thing. Uh, Nia Jax off TV for a while. Uh, th this seems like a very bad time for all that to be happening. I guess with the draft coming, that 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 will alleviate they'll get some new faces some changes you know and all that but i mean the injury bug seems to be at a bad time when they you know have pretty thin rosters and as far as i can tell the only person they brought back recently um was <laughs> riddick moss whatever his name is oh what is that i haven't even heard that one so yeah i guess yeah but they, actually he's on the other show he joined he joined happy corbin oh really I didn't even I didn't even catch that. Yeah, he was the guy in the in the hoodie. Oh, okay. I thought that was um, I don't know a teaser for um, what's the what's the show with the with the the guy in the hoodie? You the thought that was the... MC Puke? <laughs> I thought it was Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was it? I Robot. That's the one with the guy, the the Bond villain. That is, uh, what's his name? You know the guy. He's a Bond villain now, and he's... Blofeld? Christoph Waltz? Are you talking about the actor? No, no, the other guy. The new guy in the new movie. Forget it. This Sam Raimi? This is the... the This is the um, the Megan Fox podcast, not the... Uh... Are you talking about the guy who played Mr. Robot? Yes. Mr. Robot, thank you. I called it iRobot. Yeah, no, yeah. iRobot was a book by um, Asimov in the Will Smith movie. Yes. Which was an atrocious movie. Good book. Um, oh my god, I can't think of his name. It, it, it's something. Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I can't think of his it's name. Something, yeah, I think you're right. It's something Rami. I forget. Well, what? Whatever. Now somebody's gonna send us an email going, "You idiots!" It was this. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll talk more about the draft uh, later on in the show when we talk about our draft predictions. Anything else raw related that you want to cover before we move into AEW? Um, I gotta say, no, I mean, we 
should talk a little bit about the Hurt Business. It seemed a little bit, I mean, I guess because MVP went under the knife, they sort of had to bring that back. I mean, good for Cedric and Shelton, but I would have liked for it have been to at least one either additional new guy or one different person. I mean, you know, I, you know, I guess tomorrow night they'll explain, not tomorrow night, uh, Monday night they'll explain uh, how, how they all made up, where they were fighting with each other and then Lashley beat them both up more than once. Um, but I don't know. I, I, you know, I guess I'll take them rather than, I mean, maybe they uh, don't explain it. I mean, you know, uh, WWE creative likes to just make, you know, forget about things that happened in the past. So I wouldn't imagine, I would, I would believe that they get drafted off of raw and they never make a mention of it. And it's, Oh, it's new to you because they're on SmackDown, but let's be real. <laughs> the people that watch SmackDown are probably the same people that watch raw. With the with the small fraction of people that can't because they don't have USA, Rami Malik is the actor's name. Look, you had to look it up. Of course, I had to look it up. It was the OCD wasn't going to let you go by. Oh, yeah, um, there, was, there was never a chance of that. So yeah, so let's move on to AEW. Uh, this was the follow up episode to AEW Grand Slam which uh, we already discussed in the previous episode. Uh, show opens up pretty hot. But before we talk about the show, we had several news reports, news outlets, wrestling news, journalists, whatever we want to call them this week, dirt sheets, report that there's some drama uh, between the executive vice president and Tony Khan. And, you know, when AEW formed, it is... Almost now, two and a half years later. Yes, next week will mark the two-year anniversary of Dynamite on the air. But AEW was running in advance for at least six to eight months before that. Remember, they had their all-out pay-per-view with the Dick Druids and all the other nonsense. No, no, no. That was all in. That was that was the year before. But they, they did start with... All out. They had Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, and Double or Nothing. Thank you. There you go. I'm glad that. But you they but they existed for months before that. I mean, they formed the the company. They started signing people. Chief uh, they, Brandy Officer. The Chief Brandy Officer, of course, and that's when everyone's saying it's just a T-shirt company. That's which right. you still say. And so back then, we heard about the executive vice presidents, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Uh, who's the other guy? Cody. Thank you, Cody. Oh, how could I forget Cody? God damn it. So we heard that these guys were, you know, Omega's uh, helping book the women's division and Cody's going to help bring up talent and the young bucks, they're going to be tag team specialists. Lo and behold, this news report lately is similar to one that we heard a couple months back where they were saying one of the EVPs was falling out with the other EVPs. This report lately is telling us what, Jeff? Well, as you alluded, this is this is not the first time we've heard that there were issues between the EVPs, and then they were sort of poo-pooed. And even at a press conference, Cody was asked about it, and he didn't deny it. He just sort of said that his relationship was some with, with someone was great, but he left out other names, and that they talk every day or text every day, you know, and they come to the office. Um, 
then we heard so then so then it sort of went away and now it came up again so this this report said that kenny and the young bucks never go to the office they're, they're never there cody was the only one who was regularly at meetings and came to the office every day and, and treated it like a business uh this report also said that all of the evps were stripped of any sort of booking power tony khan was taking care of all of that i don't know if alone or if he's talking to you know malenko and sanjay dud and arn anderson or whatever um but that the evps that the bucks they were really working on t-shirts now which is sort of funny since you know, the t-shirt company thing that um kenny was working primarily on the video game which you know i know he likes to play video games uh, so maybe he's just the beta tester but i don't, I don't I'm, I'm still not exactly understand the organizational structure of this video game and, and this whole gambit but uh, i guess wait and see um and cody uh apparently none of them are talking to cody period that the bucks and kenny are still friends and very close and there's and you know obviously they're in the elite um together and they're working together but they you know they don't come to the office they just sort of do their stuff and i guess they work from home or wherever their laptops are what have you um but that kenny's no longer booking the women and the bucks are not running the uh, tag team division they haven't been for some time cody i'm not sure what he's doing uh chief brandy officer i guess that she doesn't have much responsibilities either i guess cody's job is is just to get other jobs in the in mainstream and try to you know get AEW out there on good morning america or you know other talk shows or whatever the case may be and this story was then confirmed in a strange way because it was confirmed by brian cage but not actually confirming the story he was complaining and we know that about three weeks ago his wife was complaining for him about his his role his creative role um which i'm not going to say she's wrong but i mean you know whatever it's, it's you know he can talk for himself uh, or maybe he can't um but he, what he said is that he thought that the evps should be given back more creative control which confirms that they didn't have creative control anymore so it was confirmed in the most backwards way so i don't know if this was his honest opinion or an honest opinion which he tactically put out there because he's wants to sort of passive aggressively complain or if he's just a dope um but anyway it, it, it seems like he has confirmed the story in sort of this you know not the strangest of ways but a relatively strange way yeah he definitely sounds like he's got some, still some sour grapes right so he's upset about the fact that he hasn't been booked strong um melissa santos that is his girlfriend right that's the one wife, that, wife thank you that is uh um, advocating for him on Twitter and you know they're both not wrong and what I get the impression of is that whoever was the EVP that was vouching for Brian Cage can no longer vouch for Brian Cage and that's why he wants it to go back to the way it was because he wants his meal ticket back he lost his rabbi there you go so interesting information do you buy this do you you know we we we've already seen this week dirt sheets reporting bray wyatt showing up and he never showed up do you buy this story about the evps i, I do buy it i mean by the way i never bought the bray wyatt story because they were saying that he had an opt-out for his 90-day buyout which 
there's no one's had an opt out. I mean, they they let Andrade go. We all know why that was because of Charlotte Flair. Um, but I mean, if Bray Wyatt, I don't know how much Bray Wyatt was making on his downside minimum guarantee, but let's just say it was a million dollars. 90 days is a quarter of a year. So that's $333,000. Who in their right mind would give up $333,000 to do nothing? And I'm pretty sure he was making more than a million dollars a year. So uh, th- that aside, yeah, I bought it because I always bought it. I bought it originally. I, I bought it two years ago. Well, not quite two years ago, but it was it was December of 19 when there were like two contradictory stories in a row. One was that Pervez Shad called or Pershad Khan called Tony Khan back into his duties at the Jaguars. And then about two weeks later, Tony Khan said, I'm taking over creative control. And, you know, you know, I didn't know what to make of those things, but starting January of 20 with the, I think it was what Bash of the Beach or Clash of Champions must've been Bash of the Beach on the Jericho Cruise uh, shows one and two where Britt Baker did her, did her heel turn bit with the making fun of Tony as the barista. And, and that's, and that's for me when AEW turned the corner, that's when I, like, I thought that those seven preceding seven or eight months were the, were the best months of AEW television and some of the most fun I've had watching wrestling in a long time. I thought that October through December was a bloody mess. Um, and then it's been a little bit herky jerky since then. But I, I believed it then, so I, I think that maybe there was some give and take, and you know Tony was taking control, and he seems like, I mean, he does seem like he's legitimately a nice guy, so he probably sort of gave in a little bit, and so that's why you see like Emi Sakura f- flown back in and Rio, but but you never see them anywhere, or at least not on the main shows. Um, you know, or, or Rio comes in to do a rescue once, and you think there's going to be a, a little program where she's allied with Chris Statlander, and I can't even remember who the, the third woman was. But then you never see that that play out again. Um, so I think that there was like a, a little give and take in, in in his own attitude. But it seems like that that evaporated, I guess, when when he, you know, I, I think that he probably wasn't happy when they sort of were stagnating sort of in the mid eights when he thought that they should be going up to, you know, sort of levels where they are now above a million. I agree. I think uh, I think that I buy this. I buy this. I think it's legit. And um, I think Cody is the odd man out. I think that for whatever reason, maybe Cody is not being heard or listened to. Uh, Maybe he's not as influential as he once was with Omega and the Bucks, but I still feel he's influential with Tony. And that's probably why he sticks around. Yeah. And let's not forget that Omega and the Bucks were friends for years um, they were in Bullet Club. They were, you know, they were friends, you know, at least five, six years before they, you know, ever became friends with Cody. Cody is basically the new friend. They were only acquainted for about, you know, or at least friendly before about two years before AEW started. So, you know, it could be like, you know, the, the new girlfriend. Everything is great about her. And then, you know, you start to get to know her or you're in a different situation. You buy a house together and all of a sudden you realize that, that you know, she's she's sloppy or she realizes that you're sloppy or that uh you know you you're not gonna help with the shopping or whatever the case may be uh you know you just get you're in business together now and you you start to have disagreements that are different than you know they should have run the ball instead of throwing the ball on third down um Mm -hmm. you know you know it's no longer you know friends pals arguments but it's 
dollars and cents, hiring, firing, you know, uh, what do we do about this diminishing asset? Do we invest here? And, and you know, that, that's, that's when shit happens. And you say, damn, you got your brother a job. You got your wife a job. You, you, you got your, your friend QT a job, you know. And I'm not saying that the same doesn't go for Nakazawa, Cutler. And, I mean, I'm sure they have plenty of things to point out at each other. And I don't even know if those are the wedge issues. I'm just saying it's a very different situation than just being buddies working on the road together versus running a business and really being in, in each other's lives 24 seven, 365. Yeah. And then you also add in the aspect and we've had these discussions in the, at least in the recent few weeks with the debut of Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, uh, CM Punk, like all these guys getting added are more egos into the pot and you know as much as they're pushing these guys and yeah omega's in a in a in a you know uh an arc with brian danielson and cm punk is i don't know i guess in an arc with ricky starks this is tv time right that is that everybody kind of soaks up so who's the odd man out and right now as we've seen the bucks lost their belts the bucks kind of lost their shine they're now playing second fiddle to omega so I don't know. There's a lot of odd men out. I mean, we we know Brian Cage thinks he's the odd man out. And I have my QAcon of the week, which is that this six-month paternity leave that that Hangman Page is on is that partly because he's the odd man out and, and he's feeling it. And this paternity leave might not exactly be a, all about paternity leave. That might be the, the titular reason that he gave, but he may be pissed off. He may have seen it going back to Andrade, then Malachi Black, then Christian. I, I probably have the order of that wrong. Uh, you know, and, and, and other sort of, you know, point. people who could be, you know, Ethan Page, who shares the, you know, maybe maybe Hangman subscribes to the Vince McMahon theory. There shouldn't be two people with the same name uh, on a show. Maybe he didn't like being mired with the Dark Order for as long as he was and dealing with the Hardy family office or other jabrones. Or maybe he didn't like that that no matter what Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy were always sort of put seemed to be prioritized over him. I'm sure there's other people who aren't thrilled either. I mean, Pac doesn't seem like someone who should be happy. Yep, yep, yep. And this is again stuff that we've talked about. So very good. Let's talk. Let's get into dynamite results. Um, I guess everybody's talking about two things from this episode of AW Dynamite that aired on September 29th. Um, one is Arn Anderson, and they're, they're calling it a promo. Really, it's not a promo. I mean, he, he's not really bigging up a match with anyone just yet, or I hope. I hope this is not leading to Arn <laughs> Anderson versus Cody Rhodes. And they're talking about Sammy Guevara winning the TNT title against Miro. Let's start with Arn Anderson. Um, they've been building up this story for the last couple of weeks that Cody's not listening to Arn. Or Arn feels that he's not focused. The audience has been booing the shit out of Cody Rhodes. Honestly, I, I told you last week, I think uh, the AW fans are Judas. That they have turned on Cody Rhodes. That they deserve to respect Cody Rhodes. Because Cody Rhodes puts a, a big spotlight on AEW. He's out there doing uh, press tours. He's out there with Brandy. He's out there on this shows, the other shows that TNT uh, have, the big show, 
the the what's the other one the the uh, the roads, the roads to, the to the top thank you i watched it it was great i saw <laughs> brandy was talking about her vagina for a couple minutes it's fantastic cody are you gonna stare at it no i'm not gonna stare at it why not it's fantastic it was captivating television i couldn't peel my eyes off of it i so, feel captivated right now meaning I know. captives held captives oh no by Brandy's vagina, I know I could. It, no, it you talking that. about this? Oh, I'm sorry. Because I'm sure the context was pregnancy, which is you know. it was. <laughs> Don't act like you didn't watch it either, Jeff. You know you were I, watching it. I didn't. Bullshit! Sorry. You know what I'm talking about. You find I, out that Lee uh, Lee Johnson is uh, going out with Julia Hart. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. And so, how old is Lee Johnson? I don't know, 19? Who knows? Who nah, knows well, anymore? Well, she's exactly. 19 or 20, so, I mean, you know. He looks like young. I mean, yeah, good, good for him, good for her. Th th those are those are two people I don't care about. So, <laughs> now you can get, don't care about them together. Exactly. Um, so, let's talk about this. They uh, Speaking of the aforementioned Lee Johnson, he tags with Cody Rhodes against... Um, Oh my God! Who was he tagging against? It was Dante Martin and this other guy, uh, Matt Seidel. Yeah, one of the Seidel. Wait, wait, can, can you say right? Breakout star Dante Martin. Right, breakout loser Dante Martin. Right. Um, because all he does is lose. All, all I hear about all... is how great he is, and all I hear about is how he loses. And I, I understand the difference, people. I know you're yelling, "No, he's really talented. He can move. He does." I get. It. But he's lo he's losing on TV. At the end of the day, that's what matters. The IWC really thinks it's smarter than it is. You you've heard that song that that starts off with "All I do is win, win, win." Dante Martin's the opposite. All I do <laughs> is lose, lose, lose. So they're in a ring, and I also nicknamed him on my on my notes from yesterday. Uh, no entrance, Dante Martin, because they didn't get an entrance. He's so well, big. That's, time that's how you treat stars. Day. Is not give them an entrance. So, yeah, Dante Martin on the come up. Uh, good match. I want to say there was a couple of good exchanges between Lee Johnson and Dante Martin. I, you're rolling your eyes now. Um, but, you know, Lee Johnson gets the win over Dante Martin and Team Cody. Well, and... he, gets the, he gets the win after doing a hot tag without Cody's knowledge to, to sort of take the win. Yes. Um. I want to say that they should have bigged this up. Like the, they should have bigged this up as Arn Anderson directing Lee to do it. And they missed an opportunity here. Cause then that tells the story of Arn. Like you don't listen, Cody. I was trying to tell you to tag in Lee and you didn't do it. So then I had to instruct him to do it. You're not listening to my instructions. You didn't listen to me last week. And that was completely devoid and missing from this, 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 uh, it all happened too fast. It this should have taken at least two or three more weeks where they were sort of like little miscues and things like that. Yeah. But they can't do that because everything's in fast forward and there's a competition for TV time and Cody probably go, has to go off and film something else. But even, even that Jeff, like even this was felt too fast. When you said if it happened it too was. fast, I felt like Arn's delivery of this in the moment is too fast because Cody starts it off by saying, I want Malachi black, bring him out here. Let's go. And Arn says, "You're not ready for Malachi Black. You're gonna get your 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 block knocked off." Then he proceeds to tell a story about how 
Cody's not the type, like he's not man enough to go up against Malachi Black, that he's not ready for him, and that Cody's the type of guy that if he was approached by a carjacker, he would just willingly give his car, while Arn Anderson is the type of guy that will pull a Glock on someone and shoot them in the face. Right, and Cody would just walk to the side. I, Yeah, listen, the memes have been fabulous. Uh, they've got things like uh, <laughs> NRA is just ARN spelled backwards. You've got Arn Anderson with all different kinds of firearms and weapons. I mean, the memes from this are worth it alone. But yeah, this, this and, and listen, Arn Anderson is a great speaker. He's got a great cadence. He's got that great sort of non non-specific sort of sort of southern sort of you know midwestern accent he just he just talks like someone that you don't you don't fuck with so whatever he says sounds good but if you listen to what he said it made no sense basically said shut up cody stop speaking all of us got our got our asses kicked by malachi black basically insinuating you're not protecting us so why are you calling him out we're just all going to get our asses kicked again he's systematically beating the shit out of us and then proceed to tell him that Cody's not the tough guy. He's the tough guy, but he's too old, so he's not really tough. So in theory, he's tough enough to do it. You know, I, I would fight him myself, except I can't. Yeah. Uh, and you're a loser. They just won. Lee at least listens to me. Come on, Lee. And I kill people with guns. Um, and people <laughs> are cheering that. And everyone's like, yeah, this is the Cody heel turn. This is the heel turn we've been waiting for. First of all, Cody's been a secret heel, you know, low-key heel for a year and a half. I don't but, know what you're talking about. Exactly. But this is Arn and Lee's heel turn. Arn is the heel in this one. Nothing he said made sense. Lee is abandoning him, calling him a loser after they just won a match. It's 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 dopey. Uh, you know, either you're afraid, and it's like saying, don't call him out. You make sure that when if you call him out that Lee is here, that Dustin is here, that Brock is here, that your other students are here, that, that you know, that, that we've that we've got six or eight guys surrounding us here. I mean, it used to be the gun club that was their friends that turned on the big show, but there's been no sign of that, at least on broadcast TV anyway. Not that I'm complaining, but, you know, that would make sense. But if you listen to the words in the context, it makes no sense. So the, the hyperbolic excitement over Arn saying I'd blow someone's head off is a little bit weird coming from the ultra-woke, youngish, well-educated, college-educated, smarter and richer AEW fan. But even that, Jeff, like, what, like, fell flat to me because <laughs> let's be real. Last week, Arn Anderson got owned by a ring apron. He fell off the <laughs> fucking ring apron, and did at that point in time, did he pull out his Glock and shoot the ring apron? No. So he's not as hardcore and badass as he wants to say he is. And second of all, I love how he goes. I don't associate with losers. Come on, Lee. And <laughs> fucking Cody Cody Rhodes there. Meanwhile, how many wins does his son have? <laughs> it's fucking zero. Is he gonna pull the Glock on on Brock too? Well, I mean, you don't really get to choose your family, but yeah, good 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 point. I mean, I mean, uh, and what well, are they hold up, do? hold up there, hold up there. Arn did have a choice. Let's be quite frank. Oh, okay. Which which choice are you going with here? I just want to know. I mean, listen. There's always Are you going a back to the original, the, the when inception? It, when it comes to your kids, there's always a choice the parent can make. Arn made so, his choice. And so, can, so, you're, and, so you are going back that far. Okay. I'm yeah. going I'm going to MJF. <laughs> the MJF route here. <laughs> uh, now you're talking about my son. Yeah, there's someone to be proud of. 
Um, yeah. So who are they going to go to now if they're turning here? Are they going to go back to QT Marshall and, and the factory? Because the, what a bunch of winners there. Jeff, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know where they're going. I listen. Cody is is the face, in my opinion. He's still the face. Everybody's turned heel. Arn is heel. I agree with you. Arn is heel. Lee, what the fuck is Lee doing going with Arn Anderson? This man fell off a fucking ring apron last week. Well, what does it lead to? Where does it go to? Because because obviously it's 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 separating him from Malachi Black for a while. So what is we're gonna have Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson? against Dustin and, and Cody? Oh, no. Probably Dustin will leave Cody, too. Like, this is... Everybody's going to abandon Cody. Like, and so we're going to get another Dustin-Cody match three years later? Probably. I mean, but everybody loved... Ate, ate the first one up, so they will love the second one. They sure um, did. They loved the storytelling because those brothers clearly hated each other even though they hadn't hated each other in years and Cody hired him. And here they're going to hate each other again because it's a story of, hey, I'm not the... I'm not the heel. I'm the face. You guys turned on me. Just like the audience. They turned on Cody. What is Cody doing wrong? He takes time off for his baby. He goes to be with Brandy. He goes to to, to promote AEW and other ventures. And everybody boos the shit out of him. He's the new Triple H. He's booking himself. All he's doing is losing. Everybody come criticizes about it. He's booking himself to win. Putting himself over. The guy can't win. His entrances and his suits alone are, are reasons to hate him. I thought you were with him a minute ago. Now you're against him. I'm just saying this whole thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it yeah, I think perfect Co- sense. Cody is a fan. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Those gatos no tiene zapatos. See, si. and and Arn Anderson, don't come at me with your fucking Glock bullshit. If you didn't pull a Glock out last week when the apron fucking threw you halfway across the fucking arena, so yeah, he, he didn't even he pull the apron it. off. <laughs> yeah, I know he didn't even push back like motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was that. Yeah, true. L- let's talk about Sammy versus Miro, right? We got Sammy um, Guevara and Miro versus the TNT title. This was the main event of uh, I wanted to call it Nitro. The main event of uh, Dynamite. What would you think of the match? And what you think of the title change? Hated it. Hated it. I mean, really? what? Yeah. I mean, one of the best things AEW has done has ever since Miro started splitting from Kip up until the split from Kip up until this week. It's been near perfect. It's been amazing. He's been a beast. His title run has been amazing. This match was clumsy. This match was not good. And Miro was acting like a fool at the end. I mean, what, what was he doing with the turnbuckles tearing all four of them off? What, what was the purpose of that? Why would Miro need to do that when he, when he's the redeemer of his God and his wife, and he can destroy anyone, and it, it's just a matter of when, not if. Um, and he's fooling around, wasting time, pulling off those turnbuckles, fooling around with with uh, Fuego del Sol. And, and this wasn't even a big arc either. I mean, it, it's not like Miro did the big destruction of Fuego or destroyed his car. All things that that, that whole angle was set off, set up to do that, you know, he could have been torturing Fuego for weeks to lead up to this. I'm not totally opposed with Sammy Guevara or someone taking the title off of Miro. I I mean, you sort of have a feeling they want to put a belt on Sammy because they love having their 160 pound wrestlers as, you know, all the title holders to uh, break the paradigm. This is the revolution, but, um, this also felt too soon. This should have been on a pay-per-view. 
I get it. People think treat the TNT title sort of like a TV title, but it really isn't. It's not supposed to be. Tony Khan keeps saying that it, it's co-equal with the world title, which doesn't exactly make sense either. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that Miro acting stupid all of a sudden, wasting time, just wasn't consistent. I thought this was every bit as bad, if not worse, than the ropes breaking underneath Finn. Because, I mean, this at least was voluntary and calculated on Miro's part, which is opposite his character. So I didn't like it. I, I thought his title reign was too short. Uh, I think that uh, Sammy losing, but uh, Miro continuing to torture Fuego, just, you know, showing him with vignettes of slowly destroying, you know, his stupid car for weeks. And then, you know, then Sammy builds his record back up or challenges. And then at the next pay-per-view or two pay-per-views down the line, that's when they do it, Sammy. Uh, you know, that's when they give the title to Sammy. And Miro's had a nice long run. I mean, it's not been a short run, but I, I don't think it's been more than six months. Yeah, I don't think so either. But, I mean, really, what was Miro doing with the title? Like, I... I, 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 first off, uh, to counter motherfuckers, that's what he was doing and giving and delivering fun ass promos for uh, about talking about how he's gonna bang out Lana. Like, yeah, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you one there, fine. But what before I get to the criticism of, 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 of the things I agree with you on, I thought this was a good match. I thought that this was surprising for a dynamite i too thought they were going to stretch this out for a while but um i'm glad sammy wanted he's w deserving i th i think that this is a trend this is my opinion that ratings grab a little bit of that a little bit of oh let's lean on the Brody lee thing about he was the first tnt or he was uh you know one of the tnt champions and he would have enjoyed seeing sammy oh, guevara I I don't want to. I don't want to do this the second, but can just make sure we don't forget to talk about the Brody Lee thing. Oh, gotcha. Oh, let me write that down. Brody Lee. Just after you're done with your thought. So, I don't. Um, I I think that it's all you know in in the vein of good taste, right? Oh, hey, you know Brody would have liked to Sam, see Sammy as a champion. Ba, 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 ba. I also think that it also has to do with it being Hispanic Heritage Month, and I think that that's why you saw the Lucha Bros win. That's why you see Sammy winning. So um, I think you know Tony. Don't Khan you mean Latinx company, month? No, <laughs> I think Tony Khan has listened to the criticisms of his champions not being diverse and has quickly booked uh, out of that. Um. There's still a major opportunity for black talent, right? There is really no black champions and no um, black talent near the top of the rankings, right? So Not there's still work. So there's well, Jay Cargill, maybe. Maybe. We'll see what happens with her match. Um, is it on Rampage or is it next, next week on Dynamite where she's facing Thunder Rosa and Nyla Rose? I hope, I hope they don't that fucking expose... Poor that that triple that triple has. threat is is this Friday. Yeah, I, I'm I'm nervous about that match because I feel they're going to expose her more. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, there's two of them in that in that ring that really can't wrestle. Correct. And Thunder Rose is going to squash the both of them, um, rightfully so, probably. But going back to the to the Miro thing, I hear your your complaints about 
if Miro's this dominant champion, then why is he resorting to cheating? And and it's not like he's an old-fashioned heel that, or has been built to be this old-fashioned heel that cheats to win. If that's been his MO from the jump, then I could see the George the Animal Steel thing being his thing. So where's why did he need to do this? Why do we need Fuego interfering, I guess, to keep Miro looking strong? Because I was surprised when it when when the match finished, I was like, oh, Sammy won clean. But did he, though? I mean, Fuego did have to interfere. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I appreciate your cynicism and, and the points on Tony booking him out of the non-diversity. And I think and it being Hispanic Heritage Month, I, I think those are interesting points. Um We've seen Miro cheat before. He did a he did a you know a mule kick sort of like Adam Cole did. He a nut shot to Eddie Kingston to retain the title. Um, but Miro's been basically been the monster heel. Not a, he's not above cheating. But the point was is that he was being stupid. He he was going slowly from corner to corner. If you want to cheat, you only need one turnbuckle exposed. You don't need all four of them. Um, so there was no point in him wasting time and being stupid. I mean. And they do that a lot where he's sort of wasting time, posing, being slow because he thinks he can get over. But we've never seen him be outright stupid before. The Fuego del Sol thing, I, we didn't need it, but I guess I think you're right. They felt that was to keep Miro looking strong. They were sticking to the story that like the, the DDT is his kryptonite. Uh, they sort of vacillated between that it's his neck that's the kryptonite or the top of the head that's the, the, the where, where, you know, he, where is a weak spot. Um, like that soft spot on a baby skull. So I guess hitting the turnbuckle, um, you know, hit him in the head on one weak spot. And then the, the DDT hit him on, uh, that and the neck, both his weak spots. Yeah. I think it was to protect Miro somewhat, but it, I, I just thought it made him look stupid. You know, I'm sort of just repeating myself. I, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, I thought it was anticlimactic. I, I didn't, I didn't find it to be drama, uh, very dramatic. Well, based on your cynicism, I mean, I guess I felt inherently it just seemed very contrived. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't seem like a real moment to me. It just seemed like something that they, well, hot shotted, and they've been doing a lot of hot shotting, partly because they had so many bodies in. I mean, you really don't hear them talking about the inner circle. You heard FTR, who got about thirty seconds for promo time, you know, have really fallen in the last several months. Um, you know, add the pinnacle. At the end of their statement, but when's the last time you heard really talk about the pinnacle? When's the last time you heard MJF and and Wardlow with the other with the other guys, or even with Tully? I mean, it's it's all it's all been sort of herky jerky, and like no one's really paying attention or talking about it because they're so excited. We got Punk, we got Brian, mm -hmm. we have we have Adam Cole to a lesser extent, Ruby Soho. Ooh, is Bray coming in? Um, you know, and somewhere in there, oh, Suzuki is here, you know, doing this and Nick Gage. And then and now they're hot shotting with Bobby fucking fish of all things. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I mean, I've been saying it since almost the beginning. It feels like WCW and fast forward. Um, and with this this roster, like they, they need to either do things really creatively or they just need to keep doing this carnival hot shotting things where there really aren't stories in every week is just an exhibition match because there are people out there that are excited about Sammy Guevara versus Bobby Fish. Well, they're going to put on a great match. Well, you know, 
Bobby Fish isn't winning. Yeah, but it's going to be a great match. I'm like, who the fuck cares? Any two people can win <laughs> a great match. If there's no drama in the match, if there's no story, yeah. why watch it? Go to an indie show. Yeah. Well, that's been my criticism about AEW from the jump. Like you could watch, you could see this card, and you already know the wins, right? You already know who's winning. Like, and I think, but that's part of the allure. Is like, I, you know, this is exactly how I would have booked it. Like, right. I'm a smart fan, and look, it's validated. I am a smart fan. Exactly. I'm, I'm even, I left it. They just added someone that's going to jump over other people. Leo Rush is back. I mean. Luckily enough for the the other talent, I'm sure he, he's already contemplating retirement again. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna just leave Leo Rush there. I mean, uh, he gets debuted too. Like he's LBO leverage buyout. Uh, Leo Rush. No. What 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 the fuck does that mean? I can't chant that when I'm in the audience. Leverage buyout. Well, well, it sounds like he's gonna. I mean, it sounds like it's similar to the character as Matt Hardy that he's gonna he's sort of. A rich guy that's going to, you know, try to make other people rich, but I think the story is going to be that he, it's really it's like a Ponzi scheme, and that it's 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 like Great Gatsby, it's all fake, and that he's going to and they'll be losing their fortunes. I, I mean, I think that's where this is going because the things he was talking about were sort of like, sort of like uh, meme stocks and things like that. That's exactly. It sounded a little Ponzi schemeish. That's my impression of it, and I guess there must be lining up. Uh, a feud with Hardy Family Office for that reason, but or an alliance. I don't, I don't, can that faction get any bigger? I mean, it's I mean, basically Cameron Grimes. I mean, except Cameron Grimes was just dopey and got lucky. I know. I said the same thing yesterday. I said this is just like Cameron Grimes, like leverage buyout. Like, what are you talking about? What is he going to talk about Dogecoin next? Um, Listen, I didn't think it was a bad promo. I, I, I thought the production quality of it was good. It's just like they already have that character on that show but it's just like you don't need another undersized flippy guy and you know how many people just just this second just got felt like they got passed over like rising star dante martin did, did you know doesn't he feel like he just got passed over or at least as a victim how, how does matt seidel feel i, I mean half of their the roster are flippy dudes or they no, keep sticking them with hardy family office nobody nobody has egos in in AEW, everybody's happy. No, Brian Cage does. <laughs> well, he's going to be eliminated. <laughs> um, just before we wrap up and move from the Sammy and Miro thing, I got two things for you. Um, one is my personal take on Sammy versus Miro, uh, and this angle with Fuego del Sol. I've been very critical of Fuego the last uh, since he's really shown up. I can't stand the fucking guy. I see all these pictures. You mentioned it. There's no Sammy is now best friends with uh, Alan Angels and Fuego del Sol and Tay Conti taking pictures with Evil Junior. That's what I call negative one. And I go, I, I even today, like I saw a picture of, of he posts a picture of all his new buddies, and apparently he does vlogs. I'm supposed to know this because I've got all the time in the world. You know, forget my family. Forget about my kids. I just watch Sammy vlogs and BTE. I've got all the time in the world. So I'm supposed to know that these are his best friends. And so I saw this picture of these guys and I go, oh, the in is this the inner circle? <laughs> <laughs> because what happened to those guys? The other thing is... 
Fuego del Sol is saddled up in every picture next to Sammy Guevara. Saddled up right shoulder to shoulder with this TNT title. And I'm telling you right now, Jeff, I this Fuego del Sol guy cannot be trusted. So you think he's a homewrecker? I, I think this guy, listen, we already know that he's hard on his luck, right? We know that he, he had to fight to get a contract. Really, let's let's be real. Let's not even call it a contract. He had to fight to get a job. He's down on his luck. He's probably making the the the, the minimum bare minimum. Lost his used DM car. Rate. He lost his used car. I wouldn't be surprised if Fuego del Sol steals this TNT title and tries to steal it and trade it in for a nineteen ninety six Nissan Maxima. This is the type of guy I know guys like like Fuego del Sol. Mm-hmm. And he wears a mask. These guys can't be you can't you can't ever trust anybody with a mask. I just have one condition to add to that. That the second he does that, that all of a sudden R Truth, Tozawa, Drew Gulak, and Jeff Hardy start chasing him. <laughs> can't I know that the mask thing. Don't ever trust anybody, anybody that wears a mask. Hmm. Wow, that, that sort of ruins all my superhero things. I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. Don't do it. All right. I, I know what you're thinking. Point. I know what you're thinking, Jeff. COVID, we're all wearing masks. That's exactly my point. Don't trust anybody. Duly noted. <laughs> Thank you. You watch. We're going we're gonna to hearken back on episode 70 when this guy fucking steals Sammy's title. We're going to say episode 52, y'all. Steve when we Warren. get hate mail this week, about 20 minutes on Fuego del Sol, they'll be right. <laughs> I don't understand why you guys had to go on a tangent. I thought you guys were wrapped up talking about Sammy Amiro, and you had to go on a 20-minute tangent about Fuego del Sol and a Nissan Maxima from 1996. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't envision that guy sounds like that. I envision everybody sounding like that. It's true, you do. Um, oh my okay. god! Well, listen, right. and, that, and that my, was that. So my serious comment on this is, real quick, is Miro. This I, we can debate this later, I guess. Or the the championship run, I think, was lackluster. Um, is Miro more over than is Miro now after his championship title run? More over than his debut, less over than his debut, the same amount of over, or nobody gives a fuck, Steve, where's Lana? <laughs> well, I think that he's probably a little bit less over because I think this weakened him, and I'm not sure that we're going to see him again. I mean, people tend to disappear on this brand for a while. Uh, definitely nobody gives a shit, Steve, where's Lana? Very good. All right, let's move on to Cole versus Jungle Boy. This is the match that opened up the match, opened up the show. Um, I didn't see really many people saying this was like a, a, a classic and this was a great match. Like, it was good. I heard people um, saying it was a great match. Yeah, but not as much as like, you know, Omega versus Danielson. That yeah, was, but I mean, history. neither of these guys are, are, are there yet and... You know, I you know, I think people were really excited about whatever the ending was. I mean, I think everybody and their mother knew that Cole somehow was going to win, or at least certainly wasn't going to lose. Oh, without a doubt. Like, 
I I just I I know that they're bigging up Jungle Boy, but like he's such a tough guy to see. Like when I feel like with my bare hand, I can grab his entire waist. Not when he's next to Cole. When he's next to Cole, he's the bigger man. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Go watch the match again. Now, you were probably busy looking at his strange male stripper trunks that he was wearing. They were leather in the front and the back with, like, tiger stripes on the side and tassels. I mean, that was very sexy boy Shawn Michaels days. I mean, those were borderline disturbing. And that that, that was Finn Balor levels of of uncomfortability, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, don't say that. The ghost of Umaga will show up. Maybe it. so, but not here. I don't have any. I don't have any turnbuckles. Um, this match, I mean, th- you know, because I knew what the result was going to be, and because this match is not for me. Jungle Boy and Adam Cole are not for me. This was just too long for me. But it, yeah, I mean, but I understand if, if you were watching something. This this delivered probably a satisfactory match for you. Uh, I thought that the use of the mule kick with the referee in the way, and so the the body was being blocked, she couldn't see it, that that was sort of clever, though it looks like she got in the way accidentally almost again. But anyway, it it, it was fine. I mean, you know, it, it, it sort of protects Jungle Boy and keeps this elite versus uh, Brian's new gang of uh, heroes, which were a, a few weeks ago Christian's new gang of heroes. Right. Um, what were your thoughts on the elite promo afterwards? I didn't care for the elite promo. I, I didn't think there was anything special there. And this, and I don't like Brian already being, you know, sort of associated with this large sort of strange faction with that includes the likes of Frankie Kazarian and Marco Stunt in it. I just, I mean, I, I think that's garbage. I think that the whole thing about Brian was that he he was a man on his own and he could have just as easily said, yeah, I'm not coming down to the ring. Thanks, boys. I'm not. I've been in this game a little bit too long for that. I'm not done. I, I thought the whole thing felt flat, and and again, contrived. Just contrived. I mean, the elite are going out of their way to look clownier and clownier every week, and more outrageous and ostentatious. And I get it. That there, that's a heel thing to do. But when Callus isn't there to sort of tie it all together, it it's just not together. It's just a, a loose jumble of words. Oh my God, that's right. I didn't even notice that he wasn't in the ring. You're right. A lot of people weren't there this week that are important to sort of keep things together. I was wondering why did Carl Anderson start with the mic? I was like, why did, 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 does he have nudes of somebody? Like what? Why? Don't get me started on Carl. Him and Dax, they, they, they can both go in a canoe and just keep paddling out into a monsoon. (laughs) Um, yeah, I thought this fell flat. And you know what else fell flat was the other promo. Despite MJF's best attempts, like I felt the finish just kind of just fell off a cliff. Like it just kind of ended abruptly, right? Was the MJF and Darby uh, segment. MJF came off really good, as he usually does. Yeah, he was great. Talk, talks about the four pillars of, of AEW, and he's one of the pillars. And even drops a joke about how he's going to call... Um, Bruce Pritchard, if Tony Khan doesn't uh, give him a title match. Well, you notice who, who he left out in that? Ooh. Passover Page. Ooh. Even gets passed over in the promo. Yeah, you're right. Wow, Passover Page. So I thought this was really good. But Darby comes out, and 
you know, Darby on these pre-tapes where, you know, he's skateboarding and all this. And I guess he can do multiple takes. Live, this guy's fucking, I don't know what to compare him to. He's like super dry. Like, he's horrible on the mic. MJF completely clowned him. Yeah, I agree. Darby's portion was not good. It would have been better if he just stood at the the top of the rampway and just stared a hole into them. That that would have been more effective with his you know his brooding, you know far away you know piercing stare. That that would have been better. And and oh where God, was his buddy Sting? Right. Where was his buddy Sting? And also this this promo was a little bit misleading because there were times where I don't know if he was just tired or he had an eye infection or his allergies would bother him. But Wardle looked like he was shaking his head or trying to you know disassociate himself from MJF. And I was looking at Wardlow's because I keep waiting for this schism, for this breakaway, for Wardlow to say, you're on your own, dude. Um, you're only something because I'm, I'm here between you and everybody else. Um, but no, it didn't happen. He was just not in the moment. He just wasn't playing his role as a stoic, t- tough guy. So, uh, you know, maybe I should have not been paying attention to Wardlow. I should have just been listening to MJF. But as a wrestling fan, you're trained to look at everything. It's like in a video game. You need to explore everything in the room to see where the clues are or the hidden weapons are or the health thing is. So, I, you know, I was paying attention to Wardlow. And when I saw him shake his head with his hand over his face or over his eyes, I, I thought that was part of the act. Now, maybe he was just trying to hold in laughter, uh, but it didn't look like it. Like it wasn't his mouth that was moving. Anyway, I agree with you. I thought that MJF was great. Yes, he was edgy. Uh, you know, he's still sort of the only one, though Britt sort of is, is gets the same allowance, but they're the only two that, that seem to be able to say whatever they want without any backlash. Like, I'm pretty sure that if, I don't know, Bobby Lashley or Roman Reigns said the same same thing, that they would be killed or whoever. Well, Lashley's a heel for now. You know, if he said something like that, he would have, you know, he would be excoriated all over the Internet. But MJF, everyone loves it. But I'm glad they do because that means I get to listen to it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you. Dar- the, the Darby, his delivery here, it would have been better if he just remained silent. Agreed. MJF, uh, class act and, and you know. So proud of you, son. He's amazing. Let's talk about someone that we're not proud of, and that's John Moxley. This <laughs> man, Jesus Christ, I don't call him Jan Moxley for nothing. <laughs> Um, it's obvious to me that Jan Moxley is putting people to sleep because he was the main headliner of this AEW Rampage episode that was the Grand Grand Slam Rampage with Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and uh, the Eddie Kingston, another uh, guy that if Vince he was working for Vince McMahon, Vince put him in a shirt, and he's not even working for Vince McMahon. And they still tell him to put on a shirt. So these guys finish up Rampage. Rampage. And they just gave with... him a generic AEW shirt, like the cheapest <laughs> shirt in their catalog. <laughs> like they didn't even give him like his own shirt. Yeah, no, they said put this shit on. So um, on Rampage, they started with almost a million viewers, right? For Hobbs and CM Punk. And it starts mm-hmm. off hot. Right. They almost lose half the goddamn audience by the time it's midnight. And John Moxley is supposed to be one of your top guys. Any thoughts on John Moxley putting almost half the AEW Rampage audience to sleep? <laughs> I, I I don't. Um, I'm pretty sure the match you're talking about, though, was on Dynamite. 
where it was Moxley Kingston and Darby versus uh, Brokeback Mountain or Bear oh, Country. No. That or was that was this week. That was this uh -huh. week's Dynamite. But I'm talking about Rampage that ended. Oh, with on, with Suzuki. With Suzuki and, and the, the legend Suzuki, yeah, that everybody loves so much. Yeah, you're right. The the Punk and, and Hobbs match uh, topped in over eight hundred thousand. Um, the composite of our one was seven hundred and twenty-seven. Um, so the they they lost a lot. Of, I mean, obviously CM Punk is a pretty significant draw still. But um, isn't, isn't, aren't we supposed to all believe that John Moxley is just as big a draw? Well, I mean, you asked me to talk about the numbers, so let me talk about the numbers. So, so the composite of hour two was 552, but you are right that the second half of hour two dropped into the fours, and the overall composite was 640, which means that Rampage went down again. And, and I mean, it's basically gone down every single week since the premiere. I think one week it went up 9,000, but then went down again. So, you know, the, it, it's not holding the viewers, so, you know, like I said, I think the IWC is wrong about stuff. Suzuki isn't a draw except to the maybe the 100,000 or 150,000 people who really love New Japan in North America. And then I think there's another four or 500,000 people who pretend that they love Suzuki but actually never saw him a moment before I saw him or saw a few YouTube matches of him from like 20 years ago or heard that he was an MMA and like killed everyone and stuff like that. I'm not saying he's not a legit tough guy. I'm not saying he shouldn't be respected. I'm just saying people are not tuning in to watch this short Japanese guy who clearly is, you know, isn't isn't going over, you know, that, that's, what is he, 55 or something like that? I mean, he's no younger I than me. I'm, I think it's unfair to put all that on on poor Suzuki. I think I, well, it's all it's on John Kingston, Moxley. Lance Archer. No, Jan Moxley. No. Yeah, I mean, Jan Moxley. I happen to like Moxley more in AW than I did in WWE, but I didn't like him at all in WWE, so I guess that was sort of a low bar. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I thought his title run was pretty good. I, I, I've enjoyed some of his promos. He's made me laugh a few times. But clearly, since the, they took the title off him, he's been sort of in this meandering sort of Nowheresville program so with Kingston, we're going after tag team titles. They somehow got two shots in, a, in about a one-month period, lost both. Then there was the, quote, forbidden door, which led to three or four senior citizens coming in. Be, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, it, I mean if, if there was really a forbidden door that was open, there are great talents from New Japan stuck here in the U.S. right now. You have... David Finley, if you think he's great. You have Juice Robinson, if you think he's great. You have Will Ospreay, who's objectively great. You have Jay White, who's objectively great. If there was really a forbidden door, they would have been on the other side of that of that match. You would have had Jay White, Will Ospreay, and Juice Robinson against the AEW All-Stars. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go down that tangent. We're going to get some hate mail again good um i, I like hate mail i mean mail is mail moxley is in a squash match with bear country and anthony green who just got let go by wwe again as we said earlier no surprise here who is going to win right. or who is going to take the pin exactly so let's move on nothing a lot of people are like this match was really? crapola 
It was a real hard-hitting match from Bear Country and John Moxley and Kingston. I can't wait to see them do business again. The bigger guy in Bear Country has potential. He's got potential as a sort of like a big lug of a mountain. But the other guy isn't that big and he isn't that good. So. Speaking, speaking of this, uh, I haven't had the pleasure or the displeasure or discomfort, quite frankly, of watching a Bear Country match up until this point. Jeff, why haven't you ever told me that Tucker, uh, a.k.a. Tucky, is now part of Bear Country? I believe I did, and you said, no, it's Rhino. <laughs> touche, touche. Um, any thoughts on the 16, the sixth, I wrote 16 team tag match. Uh, the 16 man tag team nonsense. Uh, yes, I do. Family, yeah, my my first thought is that, that the episode that dropped last Monday, I said this was going to happen, but I think I said 14 <laughs> men uh, because I didn't, I didn't know that they were going to bring in Jorah Joel, the, the, guy we've never seen on Dynamite before from Hardy Family <laughs> Office, the guy who I tweeted once going, going, Matt Hardy's really done great things for everyone else, right? And and he liked it. So maybe he doesn't, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, maybe nothing. But so as soon as you saw him, you knew who was eating the pin. What I think of it, the, you know, actually, it was fine. It, it was fun. This, this was the part that was the, the tribute to Brody Lee. Uh, you know, the Dark Order was having their usual uh, dissension. You had Orange Cassidy in there without... Wheel of Utah, another breakout star, or Chuck Taylor. Thank God he wasn't there. No Chris Statlander around. So this was obviously a Dark Order story. You know, the the I guess the the heels of the Dark Order walked out, and then we see Ty Conti and Anna Jay stomp out with with Amanda Huber in tow, and and um, Evil Junior, as you call him, he you know th threw the script like uh, like his dad used to do when he was men became Vince McMahon. He threw the, the rolled up paper at them. I oh, thought is that, first, what that, is that what that was? Yeah. I thought you threw a shoe at them. <laughs> I thought at first it was Alan Angel's mask, but then I'm like, how did he get that? No, it was, it was the rolled up paper that, that Brody ah, used yeah, to throw. That's, so that, that's, that's what it was. Cute. And basically, Amanda Huber wags their fingers on him and go, what are you doing? Not tonight. Not tonight. Or get your stuff. To... And then they they agree. They're like, what are we doing? And, and the camera had this crazy angle on Cole Cabana, which, by the way, CM Punk didn't mention his name once during this whole time while he's on commentary. And by the way, they made it seem like CM Punk is going to be a permanent fixture or at least a regular fixture on commentary on Dynamite, which if that's if that's what people figure out, they're not tuning in to hear CM Punk. They're tuning in to hear and see him in the ring. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Let's put a pin in that one. But Colt Cabana made this face and expression and movement it was almost like a scooby-doo thing he's like okay bro <laughs> and he's like sort of like <laughs> gyrates back and then forward in a herky-jerky motion and runs they're like okay bro shaggy and then uh, anyway so the you know the, the, they get the win all some they're they're all fired up they've got john silver doing his you know like a pinball you know like puck from the alpha flight comic books running around beating up everybody everyone's working together Evil Uno and Stu Grayson do that uh, sort of assisted cutter thing off the top rope. And, you know, then the faces got to This was fine. And you know what? I'm actually glad because I was a little bit worried that on the one-year anniversary they were going to do a whole tribute. And I know this sounds bad, but if you do a tribute on the one-year anniversary and make it a big, big tribute, it's like then you have to do it on the second, then the third, and then you're sort of trapped in it every year. And other people are going to pass away. And so this this becomes your programming. So I'm glad they resisted the temptation to make a separate tribute. The tribute they did 
last year after his passing was perfect. That was a beautiful show and they've done right by his family. And they, you know, they, they probably crossed the line a little bit with, with a lot of negative one on TV to the point where Amanda Huber, you know, had to punish him and disallow him from being on TV until he got his grades up and things like that. But this was fine. This was, this was exactly right. It was exact right dosage. So I was impressed at the restraint. Uh, so yeah, this, this is exactly what it should have been. And anytime Hardy family office loses, that's good because all of them should be shipped off. I'm willing to accept the amendment that the butcher and the blade can be salvaged as sort of a mid card tag team that every now and then can be pushed up and down the card. And especially cause it keeps the bunny around. I, I can't argue with anything that you've added. I think that's uh, a I know you're trying. I, I see you thinking. Oh no, I've got something in my back pocket. Um, okay. I'm just trying to work work my way into it. So, the um, the negative one, great to see uh, the tribute to his dad. And I will say this: like I was really proud. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would ever be saying this. But when he gets hugged at the end of the match by Tay Conti and Anna Jay, I said, look at this kid. Here he is, all a whopping, what, 10, 11 years old? Not even, maybe? I don't know. And here he is getting happy endings from Tay Conti and Anna Jay. Good for him. I've never wanted to be uh, a prepubescent teen or boy more in my life than seeing him hugging up on Tay Conti and Anna Jay. That's all Listen. I can say. Yeah, no, well, well played. This is this is great. I mean, you know, next year he's going to be, you know, twelve, and Houston, there may be a problem coming pretty soon in the form of puberty when that happens. But hey, listen, I'd be doing the same thing if I were him, and and you know, I mean, I hope Tay Conti marries him because that looks like true love, and you know, then you know, <laughs> no, I'm, I, you know what, I'm going to stop right now. I'm going to stop myself right here. You do you remember that scene in? Um... I don't know that you know what I'm not even gonna go there. I was gonna bring up a scene from uh, Wedding Crashers with Will. So you just brought it up with Will uh, and was it Will Ferrell where he kind of like goes to funerals like he's he's a funeral crasher like he evolved uh, yes. he devolved, but I'm I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um. Anything else AEW related that we need to talk about? I think we covered it all. Uh I don't I don't think so. I mean, we can just quickly tell, say the the ratings for um. Dynamite was 1.152, which uh, which actually I think was exactly what you predicted. Um, I was a little bit lower, so we were both right to be predicting they went down. But last week, uh, as people remember, is 1.273, so they lost about 75,000 uh, viewers. Um, I'm telling you right now, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to predict next week. Uh, it is going to be the start of playoff baseball as well. I wouldn't be surprised if AEW Dynamite sinks below 1 million for the first time in several weeks. Hmm. Well, you've been pretty spot on on this, but uh, instead of being smart, I'm going to still be myself and say that wrestling fans really aren't sports fans and that people still haven't caught on to the fact that Punk is not going to wrestle on Dynamite um, and probably won't get attacked on uh, at the uh, commentary booth. By the way, that whole Lloyds of London thing, Insurance is not a force field, dude. Insurance actually, you know, just means that someone's going to 
pay for the damages. So uh, that whole thing was sort of misguided. Also, Lloyd's of London stopped insuring wrestlers a long time ago oh, yeah. uh, due to a lot of uh, sort of maybe fake injuries and claims that got paid out. And then you'd see the once they were paid out, the guy was back on TV two or three weeks later. Um, anyway, um, so I'm going to go with one zero two five. I feel like you you were you're like trying to outbid me on the prices, right? <laughs> I don't want to go over. Yeah, <laughs> this was our conversation last week. Right, you're going nine ninety nine. Going one million. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Or one dollar, one dollar. <laughs> yeah. All no, right. I mean, if price yeah. of right, if price of right rules apply, I mean, you're you, uh, you know, you're basically playing against the field. So I basically, I, I you know, I strategize myself poorly. Possibly, unless they they uh, they go over, mm -hmm. and then you win. Yep. Um. Let's move on to draft predictions. Okay. Um, what do you see coming up? I mean, we've got this WWE draft starting this week. We've got SmackDown being a special, Raw being a special. The one thing that remains unclear is will Raw continue to have three picks to SmackDown's two, or will they just all go one for one? That's an interesting question. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but whatever it is, the – level of talent is going to have to be more even because USA is pretty pissed. And right now all of the buzz in WWE is Becky, Brock, Roman, and they're all on one show. Um, I think there's a also NXT talent is in the draft, um, but I think that's going to be sort of fake. I think it's going to be NXT talent that we haven't really seen on NXT for the most part plus maybe one or two people, you know, from, from the women's division, especially with Naya being out, Alexa being out. And it looks like uh, even Marie, who's not really a wrestler being written off of TV, as, at least as a talent in air quotes as well. Um, oh, by the way, Ronda Rousey, speaking of sort of wrestling talent, she just gave birth. They just gave birth to their first child. So congrats. That's right. Do you want to try and give a shot at uh, saying the baby's name? No, I do not. <laughs> not 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 even a little bit Good um job. yeah thank you uh, so i guess her comeback isn't anytime soon right um so what do i see um i wouldn't be surprised if lashley and the hurt business got drafted to SmackDown and, and maybe turn them face to do battle with the roman empire i think that would be kind of interesting and that might make up for Brock being drafted to Raw to give a little star power on Raw. Um, because Lashley and, and Brock are theoretically redundant, but I mean, let's not pretend that Lashley's on the, only in, in our hearts is Lashley on the same level as Brock as far as mainstream is concerned. I was going to agree with you here. Uh, in fact, that's what I was alluding to earlier. I think there was rumors two weeks ago when Lashley dropped the belt to Big E that Vince was going to thank Lashley for dropping the belt to Big E by giving him back the Hurt Business. And here we saw this past Monday where he did get back with the Hurt Business, Sands, 
MVP, but I'm sure MVP is coming back soon. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep them together for the draft and they get drafted to, to SmackDown. I think that's a good a good um, prediction. I think um, that Drew yeah. and Finn swap places. I think they're both desperately in need of change of scenery. Drew and Finn Balor? Yeah, I think Finn goes to Raw, Drew goes to SmackDown. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, that's, I can see that. I also think Drew McIntyre is long deserving of a heel turn, and we might have seen parts of that. Again, I think they've been planting seeds the last couple of weeks, but he comes out at the end of Raw, obviously, to face off with the Raw champion uh, Big E face. So mm-hmm. what's Drew McIntyre? Another face? I don't know, but I, I think that when they go to Crown Jewel, the, 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 it's already a super show, so the brands don't matter. So maybe if that if that's the challenge, they can do it at Crown Jewel without the draft impacting it. Plus, we know the draft wow. is mostly bullshit anyway. I mean, I don't know why I think this, but I think they just need to. I mean, both of these guys are hideously stale, and together they're no more ripe. I think they're going to split up Dolph Ziegler and Bobby Roode. Um, I think right. there's. Wow, a, that's a, I think that's a bold. I would consider that bold. Yeah, I, thank you. I think that Bianca is going to be drafted to Raw so they can sort of get rid of the, get out of this, you know, Becky squashed her and now, and, you know, is Sasha taking her, her spot thing? I, you know, I think that they've got too many sort of upper tier women there. Maybe they, maybe SmackDown also drafts Asuka, who's still injured and they'll hold her in reserve, something like that. Um, I, was expecting a title change on NXT for the women's tag team titles because I, I thought that Io Shirai was desperately needed on one of those shows. She is sort of a unique... I mean, she's almost has like a Jeff Hardy, uh, Darby Allen type of style, um, but she's not as reckless as Jeff Hardy. She's She is crisper, so I, I think that that would, she, that would add a sort of level of excitement to the women's wrestling on either show. Um, I'm trying to think of who, who else... Uh, I think. I mean, I think that Eli Drake is definitely being drafted off of NXT. He's done the honors. He's probably going to do the honors one more time tomorrow night uh, when he loses to Odyssey Jones. And I think that that uh, not tomorrow you mean, night, you mean Tuesday night. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I see him on Raw. I think that they need some sparks, and I think he's a spark. Anyone that can be interesting and entertaining and carry a match for a fifteen-minute quarter. I mean. LA, LA Knight, I keep calling him Eli Drake. Um, the LA Knight can be a guy who can who can fill a 10, 15, 20 minute slot between his work and his his attitude and, and promos and could be fun. So I think he'll be on Raw. Okay. I think the other people who will be drafted will be people who are in NXT but have been working dark matches. Zia Lee, Dakota mm-hmm. Kai, mm-hmm. Um, Austin Theory, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Aaliyah will probably finally be announced as drafted. Do you think that they um, they split up um, the Garganos and Indy and Dexter? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Because Gar- there's, there's no place for Johnny Gargano on the main roster. His contract is up in December anyway, so I, I don't think they're going to move him to the main roster and do herky-jerky stuff. Candice is pregnant, so, I mean, she can't wrestle anyway, so breaking them up doesn't make any sense. And index is about one of the only things that, that works. Um, you know, so I, I don't think so. Um, 
it would be interesting if they just uh, took Loomis away and kept Indy and Indy down there. Um, it's not really married, and and he does have a main roster type of gimmick, but no, I I don't think so. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I, you know, because he's definitely been around. He's a veteran, and I think it could work, but I don't think so. I just I, I don't know that they they're struggling with Cross. I mean, they're sort of the same guy, just one talks and the other doesn't. I don't really see that they're the same guy. I mean, but they pretty much have the same finisher. Yeah, well, they're both slow. Know. They're methodical. They're both sort of muscle guys. Okay, you sold me. You got me. Um, I agree with your your Bianca to Raw thing. I think Charlotte stays on Raw too, and I think she'll battle. She'll put over Bianca as a champion yeah. again. Um, Carmella, I see moving over to Raw just to change flavor, spice it up. I hope that they also switch over uh, Zelina or give Zelina Umberto, not Umberto Carrillo, the other one. Garza? Uh, Garza. Oh, my God. Well, I love Well, well why not her manage that team? That team seems to be a good team. I mean. Yeah. she she Her role, her strong suit is being that, that mouthpiece, being a manager. Like, she, if she could just stay there and should be and wrestle every once in a while. She's got a Hall of Fame trajectory written all over her. Um, what else? Oscar to SmackDown. I don't know. Let's see what. I mean, I don't know how bad she's still in a brace. I saw a picture. It was her birthday last week. Happy birthday, Oscar. That's why she's I think still- that just the, the like they can run with Sasha and Becky for a while, and then you know and five or six months when Oscar's ready to come back, then they have someone to come in and, you know, be the next challenger. And she actually probably doesn't need to wrestle for, you know, the first good two, three, four weeks anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't, um, besides that, I don't really see any major, any other major shakeups. I, I could possibly see them call up Raquel Gonzalez to raw. Um, I'm maybe more likely Frankie Monet just to put her back with with Morrison. Oh, interesting! Interesting. That match with with Frankie and and Raquel was not good. I mean, I don't know what it was, but Raquel, the powerhouse, didn't look so powerful there. I mean, she looked like she had trouble moving Frankie around. I'm not sure whose fault that was, but Raquel, who I've sung praises of, it's been been a little lackluster the last six to eight weeks. Mm, yeah, I didn't really see that match. Um, <laughs> you didn't really see it, or you didn't see it. Uh, maybe I was I was watching it with my eyes closed. Ah. Um, uh, let's see. Shayna should stay on Raw. I like what they're doing with Shayna. They're building her back up as a strong uh, a, a killer. Um. Oh my God! What else did I want to say? Hit Row. I see they could be drafted. I don't see it. I mean, first of all, uh, B-Fab isn't very good at the wrestling thing. And the other two guys are really s- small. Uh, and and Top Dawa isn't ready to be on his own. So unless they're going to put him with the Hurt Business or, or some other group, you know, I don't, you know, join Happy Corbin's cadre, I, I, I don't really see it. And the and last run's working, and that and that feud is is it really hasn't happened yet in the ring. 
Yeah, no, but I see, I see, I see them for a need for Swerve. Swerve is 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 good, and why not have the whole faction together? The last one that I'll have. Um, oh my god, I, I should have wrote this one down because I, now I already forgot it. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I'll ask you this question. Yeah. I heard this uh, question be brought up. I think it was on Busted Open. Any possibility that they start this draft with something like a big shakeup and they move Roman to Raw and Big E and the New Day to SmackDown? Uh, any chance? Uh, Fat I mean, chance, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I thought you were going to say that the first draft would be, you know, The Fiend and he's returning back to WWE. Oh, wouldn't that be some shit? If or the Wyatt the family, and you, you have Bray, Braun, and, and Rowan back. But no, that, that's not going to happen either. I would love oh that. Oh, my God. Wow. I would say that that's more likely than your idea. Yeah, you're probably right. Would they all lose their shit? Holy fuck. All the AEW fans would be like, oh, my God. I thought he was No, they would say, we didn't want them anyway. They can't wrestle. <laughs> you're right. You're well, right. We need just a bunch of big WWE <laughs> lugs. No, no, thank you. Oh my God, you're absolutely right. Well, very good. Um, and yeah, guys, as you guys uh, know, we've got a Facebook page and a Twitter page. So please make sure you send us your draft predictions. Chat us up. Let's see. Let's have a conversation. What do you like about our draft predictions? What didn't you like about them? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Chat it up. Let's make a. Let's start a conversation online on social media. Um, Jeff, do you want to do mailbag or do you want to do news? What do you want to do? Let's do news and let's close with the mailbag. Um, Okay, so a little bit of news. Uh, WWE is partnering with another production company and they're doing an American Gladiators reboot. So that could be fun. Um, As of today, which it's now in the wee hours of the morning on October 1st, today is the deadline that's been set for YouTube TV to make a deal with Comcast Universal. And if you have YouTube TV and they don't work on an extension or a long-term deal, you may not have any of the family of Comcast channels, which would include Peacock and Yes USA. So you may have to find other ways to watch Raw, NXT, and pay-per-views. You may have to get one of those Express VPNs to, to get Peacock, uh, you know, from another country or whatever, um, with WWE Network in, in another country that's not Europe. Remember, Europe doesn't have it anymore either. Um, who knows? In, in the past, these things generally get worked out, but not always. I mean, they're... I lost stars overnight and they replaced it with epics uh, over something like this. So anyway, MLW, they are starting their tapings this weekend. Um, and I believe they return their vice shows will start on TV the following weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I think October 10th is, is the first aired show. I'm not sure if they're going to have that second hour, the Azteca Underground one, if that's going to debut the same time on TV or not. I think not. I think that's going to come later. Uh, There was some hubbub this week that Shane McMahon no longer has a contract and he's a free agent. So who wouldn't want to see the best in the world versus best in the world? Yes, uh, CM Punk versus Shane McMahon in an AEW ring. But these rumors have been uh, blown up a little bit. Shane McMahon just doesn't have one of his contracts. He had both an executive and a talent contract. One of those is still in effect. And Shane is the the vice president of what was the name of the company he said? Some tech company. It was a leverage buyout. Oh, no, no, not leverage buyout. I'm thinking right. of Leo Rush. 
Oh my God. I'd have to look at it. I, I know overdrive is what I said, but it's not the right one. It doesn't matter. He's going, he's going into a private business. Um, and I believe he still has a talent contract in place. Um, Crown Jewel is the only WWE pay-per-view event for October. Um, I guess Halloween Havoc will be an NXT show again. I'm not sure, but it's not going to be a pay-per-view. That's sort of a shame, but maybe they'll call an NXT pay-per-view different than a WWE pay-per-view. As of now, Crown Jewel is the only one. Um, Ratings. SmackDown did a 2.135, so trending down, down from, uh, I think, a 2.23. NXT, down also. I predicted it would be back in the sixes, and boy, it was 6.55. Though I guess it's winning the Friday Night Wars right now, even though it's not on Friday. Impact jolted up from 110,000 to 117,000, uh, but still nobody's wow. really watching it. Yep. MLW, they have a show on YouTube called Fusion Alpha. They are new. They are leading up to the uh, the, the tapings. Um, so the one that aired dropped yesterday. It's up to thirty one thousand. The one from a week ago up to ninety four thousand. So you know, I, I I don't know what kind of numbers they're going to do on TV versus um, YouTube. I'm I, I'm I'm really not sure about that, and I haven't seen like tons of commercials for it. Um, the only show i watch on vice is dark side of the ring by the way i watched the onita show today or fmw it was okay i mean it was interesting ish but not really i I think they're sort of running out of material uh you know that it's not sort of the same story over and over again wrestler had abuse you know substance abuse problems you know fell on hard times died or killed someone um so, you know, it sort of felt very much like the deathmatch show that they ran in season one, just in Japan. Um, Dark this week, 307,000. Two weeks ago, 529. And three weeks ago, the debut of CM Punk week was 823 elevation this week, 446. Last week, up to 451, so only gained 5,000 a week. And th- uh, three weeks ago, which is a little bit strange, um, only 379. So what can I tell you about that? And still no reports about the pay-per-view buys for NWA 73 or Empower or them as a package. So what can I tell you? If uh, history has shown us anything, we're not going to get those numbers ever. We'll get them when it's long enough in the distance that nobody remembers. No one's going to. We're never going to find these numbers. All right, Jeff, thank you for that. Um, last, uh, but certainly not least, is uh, the mailbag. And here we finally have one comment, and this is from, uh, give out his initial CK on Facebook. And he said, I, just, I listened to episode 50, was it 51? Last week was it 51. I listened to episode 51. Did this really need a 20-minute tangent devoted to dumping on Canyon while making wild assumptions in between dropping asinine gems like, quote, being gay in 2005 wasn't a big deal, end quote. Jeff, um, you sh- you have some thoughts on this. You shared some thoughts on this. Well, I don't think that we shit on him uh, at all. Um, I also don't think that we spent 20 minutes on it. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's easy enough to check. Um, I, I, I lived in 2005. It wasn't a big deal. Everybody was for civil unions or the vast majority were for civil unions. 
a pretty solid plurality were for gay marriage, which came less than a decade later. There were there were other openly gay uh, talents. By the time Canyon had killed himself, there were openly gay wrestlers. I mean, you know, one of the parts of the show is that WWE was planning to make Orlando Jordan their first openly gay wrestler, openly uh, bi wrestler, and Canyon wanted that to be his gimmick. And that was in 2006, he wrote that letter to Stephanie and McMahon. He died in 2010. He killed himself in 2010. So it really wasn't that big a deal. We heard from James Mitchell. We heard from Diamond Dallas Page. Nobody really cared. Everybody knew Pat Patterson was gay. Just because you don't talk about something didn't make it a big deal. So listen, that's fine that, 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 that CK didn't agree with that. That's all right. Now, the asinine comments, I assume he's talking about, you know, my doing math again and finding it creepy that he had, yeah. he was friends with people in their early 20s or late teens. Um, you can disagree with that if you like. I just think it's creepy and I'm entirely consistent. I was, I have the same point when I talk about Marty Skrull and the 16 year old when he was 27 or 28. It's not necessarily about the years difference, it is the tender age. I mean, there's a big difference between being 35 and with a 50-year-old and being 30 and with a 15-year-old. Uh, they're just not fully formed adults yet. So I just think, it's, you know, in, in your own social circles, you know, outside of people you talk to at work, do you have a lot of friends in your life when you're 35, 40, or, or you know, 30, you know, in your 30s that are teenagers or 21? My guess is that you don't. And to make a big deal of it, I, I suspect that he was more angry about the gay stuff than he was about the actual age difference. And really, it was just about the age I, difference. I don't know, but I will say two things. One, I enjoy the irony of making a post saying, what's the big deal? Like, why did you guys have to devote 20 minutes to Canyon essentially saying it doesn't deserve 20 minutes essentially also saying what's the big deal why would you spend 20 minutes on this so I like the irony there okay. also in the comment of saying being gay in 2005 like it was, wasn't a big deal like that's being an asinine comment I sat on that for a while and I was like was it was it an insensitive comment to make. And I was like, all right, let's, let's hash this out. Like in the late nineties, Ellen came out. A lot of high profile actors started coming out as gay. Like that was the late nineties. You know, Roseanne had a episode. Murphy Brown had an episode. Everybody had a special episode. I feel like at that point in time, and that's when it kind of to use, I guess, a wrestling term that it kind of got over in pop culture. But in 2005, can I see if he's speaking from, and I'm talking about CK here, he's talking about it wasn't a, it was a big deal in wrestling, then yes, I can see that. I guess, you know, in that context, yes, it, Canyon wanting to be um, the first openly gay wrestler is a, a definitely a big deal. Here we are in 2021, and it is still a, it would still be a big deal, right? Because we don't really have anyone that's, you know, at least not that I know, that is like massively over and openly gay. So 
even now it'd be a big deal. So I guess I can see that point as, as far as it being asinine. I mean, we say a lot of asinine shit on this <laughs> fucking podcast. So you got us, you got us there. <laughs> so, I mean, but well, I hey. guess it also is how you interpret big deal. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I could see his point too. And I, I understand what you're saying as well. I see your point. And I guess it depends how you say big deal. I, I mean, I guess it, what I'm saying is that I don't think it would be career changing, career suicide, career defining. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a big emotional decision on a personal level. I just don't, I, I just, you know, I was alive then. I was an adult then. I, I was in, in my mid thirties then. So, I mean, it, it, it just wasn't, you know, the, the average person then, you know, it wasn't like a big controversy. If someone came out, you know, as gay, it, it wasn't that big a controversy in the public sphere. Now, maybe in the private and maybe in the wrestling world. What, what do I know? But, um, you know, yeah, maybe I could have like, picked better lang, better words to use. Nah, I mean, I guess what we were focusing on was like, was Canyon that guy? Like what, if you're going to put that on, on a wrestler with Canyon, that guy. And, and from what I remember, like Canyon, Again, I, I said it on the podcast last week, like at the time and even up until like the airing of this dark side of the ring, I don't recall knowing Canyon was gay. I don't I, I don't recall remembering that. I don't recall right. any of this being in any of the dirt sheets. Not that I cared to read them all that that deeply back in 2005, 2006. So um, it, it was it, it all I know is that Canyon wasn't that I'll use that phrase now. He was he wasn't a big deal as a performer, right? He wasn't at over right. at that point. He wasn't a perf like this. You know, he was. I don't know what to compare him to right now. Like he, he he's not even Dolph Ziggler. Like so, no. I don't I don't even like. I, that's what I, I guess you know we were trying to say about he wasn't a big deal then. He's more of a big, let's be frank, he's more of a big deal now than he was ever in his wrestling career, and that's unfortunate, but, like, it is what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, and, I mean, call a spade a spade. I thought that the men at work tag team was, I mean, you've got construction workers wearing tight jeans and and their shirts unbuttoned. I mean, that that was a little village people-y as, as well, so... I don't, I, you know, work? I, was it men at work, Mabel and Mo? No, that was men on a mission. Um, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I understand CK's point. I, I, you know, I don't think that we went on for whatever, but I think that something hit a chord. And so he disliked everything that we said. And that, yeah. that's his opinion. And keep listening. I mean, we, you know, we're not, we're not here to please you. We're just here to say what we say. And hopefully that, you know, you know, if, if that makes you angry, you know, Hopefully you'll listen and, you know, you know, because you want to get that visceral reaction or you like other things that we say, um, whatever it is. I or, appreciate someone for listening and I, and I appreciate the, the feedback. Or you enjoy our asinine comments like, you know, Fuego del Sol is going to steal the TNT title and sell it for a bag of Doritos or um, other ridiculous nonsense that we say. But. You know, that's episode 52. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in this far into it. I mean, for for being five days in, Jeff, I mean, a two-hour, almost a two-hour episode. I mean, I'm surprised we got this through. But, hey, we uh, we we did it again. 
I hope you all enjoyed uh, everything. The the pageantry, the jokes, the update on, on Jeff's girlfriend that he's going to end up possibly losing to Macho Man Randy Savage's brother, the genius. <laughs> the crickets, all of it. I hope you enjoy it all. Um, and that's it. Anything to plug, Jeff? Yeah, check out my other show, especially UCK, Garden of Doom. Um, so, uh, you know, that's always fun. An exploration of the weird and wacky and alternative and variety. Uh, you know, if you have a extra 25 bucks, why don't you buy tickets for the Nephilim Anthropology Zoom Conference this weekend uh, in the UK? And you'll hear from 13 different speakers uh, on all sorts of interesting rogue anthropology, rogue archaeology, and, and other related theories, which should be a lot of fun. But yeah, Garden of Doom is what I'm plugging. Also, I, I'm now doing a show on the PWC called Smack Talk. Obviously, it's focusing on SmackDown. Um, and uh, check out the Drew Yari show, his 200th episode. I was on that. I don't think he's put it out yet, but it's probably being put out any, any second now. Um, so congratulations, Drew. Thanks for having me on. Uh, that's an honor. And uh, we got we also have some news. We we we're ranked. We're ranked um, in the I guess it's the top 200. Uh, we would rank like 136th in uh, wrestling yeah. podcast. Look at that. We're actually ranked in the United yeah. States. And then uh, I think what were we like 60th in the UK? That's amazing. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you guys for listening to us and uh, and and thirty ninth in Israel. We Shalom, motherfuckers. Shalom. Shalom. It's all this talk about Passover page that gets us over in Israel. <laughs> Probably um, is. So the guys, thank you for listening to us and really appreciate the love. Really appreciate you guys tuning in uh, for so long. And uh, yeah, if you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Hammerlock Ho. The Ho is for Hangover. Obviously, can't just type out all Hammerlock Hangover. Twitter don't won't allow it. Um, you can talk to me at Big Daddy Cool. That's just all at Big Daddy Cool. No numbers, just that. Um, and what else? Jeff is on Twitter at Icarus Fell MD. Icarus like the angel or what? What did you say? Not an angel. Not an angel. You always correct me when I say that. I just remember playing Kid Icarus as a child, and he was a little angel with the with the little crossbow. No, he had the wings. They were, but they weren't. They were waxed together. Because he wanted to fly, and he flew close too close to the sun. The wings, the wax melted. The wings fell apart, and he fell to the sea. Daedalus and, and Icarus. It's a, it's a, it's a Greek myth. It's a, it's a parable. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. And you know what? I'm definitely not going to learn the lesson of saying that he's not an angel because I'm probably sure next week I'll probably make the same mistake. That's just a, Icarus is a fucking angel. Fine. <laughs> um, at Icarus fell. Fell as in, like Jeff just said, he fell uh, from uh, flying too close to the sun and MD like the doctor. So um, that's that. You can email us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. That's hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page. Please check us out there. We've got a couple of memes, wrestling memes that we've put up there. So hope you enjoy that. That's all I've got this week. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you to the Pro Wrestling Coalition uh, Podcast Network. Thank you to the Wrestling Soup Podcast Network for hosting us. And uh, that's all. Please make sure you check out all those podcast networks. And uh, if you like the show, leave a review. And thank you very much.
and five stars and tell a friend. All right, thanks. Stay evil, my friends.